This is the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, episode 131. Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, weekly motivation and language learning tips to help you become fluent in any language. Now, here's your host, Ollie Richards. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm very relieved that I'm back doing these regularly now because I did miss a couple of episodes back in uh, in August when I was in Thailand, and um, it felt a bit wrong, actually. You know, I um, it made me, I think, appreciate this podcast more than perhaps I do sometimes. Um, for me, like the sitting down twice a week, making these recordings, um, I think the process of listening to questions, putting, gathering my thoughts. And then putting them out there in the world like this really helps me, I think, better understand my own, um, my own thoughts and my own, my own mind when it comes to languages, I guess. And one of the things I've learned, I've discovered recently, or I've noticed recently is that I'm, I find myself learning more and more and more from other people in the community. Um, you know, there are some people doing some fantastic stuff out there. Um, you know, a lot of the things that I talk about are, I mean, they're, they're my ideas, or they're my thoughts, I should say, but I have, you know, most ideas about language, there's very little new new stuff out there, right? We've all kind of appropriated or conceived of our thoughts and feelings about different aspects of language through other people that we may have studied or listened to, and, you know, I continue to learn a huge amount um, from people out there, and there was... um. One thing that caught my attention this week as well was from um, the Loving Language blog, um, which is written by a chap named Richard Benton, and he um, he pulled me up actually on the the post. I, I wrote a huge post about learning Thai, and if you go to the I Will Teach You a Language blog, you'll find that it's the biggest post I've ever written, all about learning Thai. And um, I gave there was one part of my of the post where I gave my re, I gave possible reasons why you might like to learn Thai and one of the things that I didn't mention was the fact that uh, there may be Thai people in the community around you. And I didn't mention that and Richard pulled me up on this and he's absolutely right to do so because um there are so many reasons for learning a language um but as Richard said in a recent blog post of his which I'll link to in the show notes you know the most fulfilling thing that we can do in terms of language learning is to learn a language that we can put to use in our on our own doorstep with people in our own community. And there's so much good and there's so much happiness we can bring to people well, by learning their language in general, but even more so, you know, if we are living in places where there are where there are people who are perhaps disadvantaged or coming coming from other other countries, other cultures, you know, so much of the time, you know, we are, we live in a very privileged world, at least those of us who live in the West. And, you know, we can, we can help, I think, stop, perpetuate very basic divisions and prejudices that we have by learning languages of other people in our community who we might not otherwise get to talk to. And, you know, in my case, I don't have Thai people in my community. I guess that's why it didn't occur to me naturally. I wish I did. Um, but I don't. And, but this is, this, this really just made me think. Um, that if you are one of those people at the moment kind of thinking, you know, what language should I learn? Um, do I even need to learn a language? That, you know, one of the things I'd encourage you to do is look around in your community, on your doorstep, and just think, you know, what 
what opportunities might there be for you? Because I guarantee you the, the ones that you find on your doorstep will be the most enriching and life-enhancing of all. If you'd like to check out this post from um, from Richard, it's called, um, tr- I think it's called True Language Love is in the Margins or something like that. It's a really great post. I'll link to that in the show notes, which you can find at IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash episode 131. Um, another very quick notice. You may remember a few months back, I opened the doors to my fluent Spanish Academy. And this is a, a club that is aimed at those of you who are learning Spanish and you're not beginners, but you are, you've been learning for a while. Perhaps you're around a kind of intermediate, upper intermediate level and you're looking for ways to really break through that plateau and become fluent. I've just opened up another few spots, um, because we had such high demand. Actually, I had to close the doors within a week um, of opening it last time. So if this is something that might be interesting for you, then please feel free to check it out over at fluentspanishacademy.com. Um, there, this will not be around for long. I can, I can guarantee you that there is a limited number of spots and the uh, interest is starting to come in already. So um, check that out as soon as you can, if that's something that might be of interest to you. And before we dive into today's question, let's thank the sponsors of the show who are italki. And, you know, I was in Thailand recently, as I keep saying, I have to stop saying that soon. And um, I came back to the UK and didn't speak any Thai for about two weeks, maybe even two and a half weeks. Um, but I had my first Thai lesson yesterday and it was felt so good to be able to sort of just sit up down on this sofa in London and chat Thai. And where did I do it? I did it on italki because it's the most convenient place to get language lessons, speaking practice, um, wherever you are, whatever your situation, as long as you have an internet connection. If you'd like to get a free lesson, you can go to IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash free lesson. Now, without any further ado, let's dive into today's question from Nicholas. Hi, Ali. My name is Nicholas, and I just finished my Asimil European Portuguese and I wanted to know if in the future it's possible to learn a Brazilian Portuguese. I mean if you can like change uh, your accent and some words, I mean is that possible if we if I have started to learn European Portuguese Portuguese or uh, there's a way to learn uh, the other accent and um, I-, I heard that they are very different so I'm not sure thank you okay Nicholas thank you very much for a great question so can you change so you've learned European Portuguese can you change your accent and a few words and speak Brazilian Portuguese uh, okay well the answer is kind of you can um, so for those of you who don't know Obviously, there are two kinds. Well, there's more than two kinds, actually. There's two main kinds of um, Portuguese. There is the Portuguese spoken in Portugal, in Europe, and the Portuguese spoken in Brazil. You can actually find Portuguese spoken in some very interesting places around the world, like Macau, for example, next to Hong Kong. But um, we'll focus on this for now. Now, how different are these two varieties of Portuguese? Um, They are very different, actually. They're very different. In fact, for me, it's quite difficult to think of... Of a couple of two dialects or varieties of a very very uh, big language that are as different as Portuguese from Portugal and Brazil. Um, there are many different little things we could 
we could point out. Um, and I'll just run through a few of these differences um, so that you kind of have an idea of the scope of the of the challenge if you do want to switch from European to Brazilian Portuguese. Generally speaking, if uh, people who who speak Brazilian Portuguese, when they go to Portugal, they have some trouble. Now, I remember when I went, I've only spent a little bit of time in Portugal, but when I have been, or when I've spoken to Portuguese people, I would... You know, bearing in mind that my Brazilian Portuguese is pretty good, when I speak to Europeans, I I can follow along, and uh, I would say that I probably get about sixty percent reliably. I can understand and follow about sixty percent of what they say. Now, I'm sure with a few weeks' exposure, if I was living in Portugal, for for example, I'm sure that after a few weeks, that would go up to. Um, 80% or so, 80-90%. Um, that's just kind of a question of getting used to it. Because, okay, here's the thing. On a basic level, the accents are very, very different. Brazilians speak very with very open mouth, lots of expression, wide range of intonation. It's like Italian on steroids. Portuguese from, like, European Portuguese is the total opposite. Closed mouth, um, very kind of guttural swallow they swallow a lot of sounds vowels don't tend to get pronounced at all a lot of the time so you often don't know what the vowel is that's being said so it's a really huge difference um in the accent but the accent is you know like anything is something you get used to i have trouble understanding uh, people from south africa for example because the accent's very very different i'm sure that if i spent more than a few just like a few weeks there uh, I would very quickly get used to it. So accent is the least of the trouble, really, because it's just a question of adapting. Other small changes? Well, there are simple changes which don't take you much time to get your head around. For example, in, Por- in Portugal, they if you the word for you is tu. In most of Brazil, the word for you is você. Although in this, in there are plenty of places around Brazil where they say tu as well, but it's more standard to say um, say você. In terms of um, like basic root pronunciation, again the so for example the S in Portuguese from Portugal is is a sh sound, mais, um, whereas in most of Brazil it's a s sound, so mais like that. But there are you see the thing about Brazil is it's a very very big place, and if you go to Rio for example to to Rio de Janeiro you're going to find that people there speak much closer to European Portuguese. And I believe that's because that's the place where the Europeans landed when they first um, colonised Brazil. Although, don't quote me on that, because I haven't I haven't fact-checked fact myself. But the Portuguese from Rio in Brazil is is the closest you'll get to the Portuguese from Europe, from, from Portugal. Um, so, for example, when you're in Rio, you will hear people uh, say that sh that the S as a sh, um, which is from Europe originally, and because I guess that's where the link was. But as soon as you go down, right, the further away you get from Rio, the softer the articulation becomes, and you have you have mice like that rather than mice. Um, and what else? Well, you've got certain consonants like the D and the T, for example, in Europe. Those are pronounced very, very um, as you would do in Spanish, for example, say dia for day or dente for 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 tooth um when you go to brazil you get this kind of uh, interesting twist on that so dia becomes gia 
and dente becomes denchi, like that. So lots of very interesting little little changes. Brazil, the Brazilian Portuguese has a lot of uh, very uh, idiosyncratic uh, sounds and features to it. I think the for me personally, the single biggest problem that I have beyond the accent is the certain things, certain grammatical features which are not really found in Brazilian Portuguese but are very much a central part of European Portuguese in particular the pronouns so in European Portuguese pronouns are much more flexible and can be tagged onto the end of words and generally moved around a lot so for example if you want to say I love you in uh, in Portugal you would say amute now my, my pronunciation is probably off with this because I don't speak European Portuguese, so uh, bear with me. This is just to demonstrate the grammar. So say amo, which is love, or I love, and te, or te, is you. So amo te, like that. I love you. Now, in Brazilian Portuguese, the pronoun comes before the verb. So you say ci amo, ci amo, like that. And this is a general rule. So in Brazilian Portuguese, the preposition will always, always come, uh, sorry, the pronoun will almost always come before the verb, um, which makes it very, very easy to follow, uh, to follow along. In European Portuguese, what you find, if you've ever seen written Portuguese, you find these pronouns floating around all over the place. They can come before the verb, they can come after the verb. And, Whereas it can be, I find personally that it's quite, it's okay to understand when you read it. I find that listening to it and speaking, it is extremely hard because you, um, you know, you, you, well, when you're listening to it, because a lot of the, the, the vowels are swallowed and, and, and not articulated in European Portuguese, um, I find that it, you can very easily miss what's being what's being said and likewise when i come to speak i i simply don't know how to do it because i all i have done is study brazilian portuguese so all of which is to say nicholas that there are some differences and some of them are significant differences but if you have been through asimil if you have got to the end of the book and you know you're going to have a solid foundation in portuguese can you switch over to brazilian portuguese Yes, you can. It won't be that difficult for you at all. Um, I would simply, if you can, go to Brazil and spend a few weeks there. You will have switched, I think, straight away within within no time. It would be very very straightforward. The other thing you could do is like go jump on Italki and have some have a, a bunch of lessons with a Brazilian teacher. What you'll find is, as soon as you've got over the difference in the accent and the little bits of pronunciation, you'll find that actually. It's dead easy. It's far easier than European Portuguese, I think. And, um, you know, you'll find it easier to express yourself. You'll have to learn some new vocabulary. There's a, there's a, there are big differences in vocabulary between Portugal and Brazil, like there, like there is with any language or any country. Um, but I guess that my, my main thoughts on this are, it's not, it's not hard. You've just got to immerse yourself and spend a bit of time focused on that language. So if you want to switch to Brazilian Portuguese, uh, get some podcasts, listen as much as you can, speak to native speakers as much as you can, generally spend time with the language. You will switch without any problem and I, I, not something to be concerned about. So, hope that's helpful. If you would like to ask me a question, you can. Please go to iwillteachyoualanguage.com forward slash ask, A-S-K, for that.
And at the end of every episode, I like to leave you with a resource of some kind on the topic of the show. So today, I'm going to give you a couple of things, a couple of videos that you might like to watch about Portuguese. So first of all, there is a video of me speaking Portuguese. If you'd like to check out my level in Portuguese, um, I've got a, a recording of a conversation with my friend Jimmy. Um, there is that. And then there's also a great talk by um, Fernando Saraiva at the Polyglot Gathering. And this is a talk all about the differences between Portuguese from Brazil and Portuguese from Europe. So don't listen to me. This guy is actually an expert. So go and listen to him instead. If you want to get into more detail with that, uh, then you should definitely go and watch his talk. I'll put all of these in the show notes, which will be at IWillTeachYouAlanguage.com, episode 131. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you back in the next episode of the podcast.